last orders at the bar! You right there, fellas? What are we having, then? Yeah, good, thanks. Yeah, um, I'll have a single measure, please. And, Rob, it's on me. What would you like? Oh, cheers, Cam. Uh, I think I'll get a double measure, please. OK, I do apologise. I'm slightly new here. Um, what do you get in that single measure? Yeah, I've not seen you here before. Um, OK, so the single measure, uh, which I, this is why I'm going to have it, because I love it. OK, yeah, so you get access to the last orders after show. 10% off all merch in the store and also access to exclusive Patreon feed posts. And what do you get in your double measure there, Rob? Well, actually, interesting. You get all of that, what Cam's having in his single measure, but you also get access to the extended guest interviews. So wow. for Ooh. £5, that's that's a real steal, yeah, actually. Because I know the cost is, is £2.50 uh, for the single measure there, Cam, and it's £5 for the double measure there, Rob. Yeah, I think the double measure is really good value, that, I think. It? Do you know what? I think I might treat myself. I think I might go for the double measure as well. Look, you know what, Barman? We'll have two double measures, please. Two double measures coming up. That's right, guys. We're taking the photography bar to the next level. Starting in May, we're going to have exclusive content arriving on Patreon. So make sure you sign up at the start of May, uh, ready for this exclusive content that's coming your way. Hello and welcome to another fantastic episode of the Photography Bar podcast. Um, I am joined with um, the usual people who are here to bore you through the audio, um, audio <laughs> waves, and that is Mr. Cam Assey and Mr. Rob Bowd. How are you doing, guys? You're right. Very well, thank you, Mark. Yep. Hello, gents. Very good to be here. Excellent yep. stuff. Excellent stuff. And we are also joined uh, with a special guest today. It's underwater photographer Alistair Scarlett. Uh, and we're going to be chatting with him, all things underwater camera stuff. So um, stay tuned. So I think it's going to be a real fascinating episode. Alistair, how are you doing? You're right. I'm really good. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really well. Uh, been a lovely day here in uh, Newquay. I don't know about you guys, but. Oh, it must be awesome in Newquay. With... Did... Have you been out today? Um, yeah, I, I sneaked in for a little little surf actually this afternoon, which is unusual. Uh, but yeah, not bad. Uh, we can't say that, can we, guys? No, <laughs> we can't. Popped out for a, you've, out for a you, surf. You've, you've just completely killed us on the cool level. We were. I wish I had the option. Yeah, yeah, I took the car it. down to the garage. Does that count? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Robert and I were stuck in a factory all Monday, weren't we? Shooting. That's right. So, yeah. and a job that should have finished at two, and we were still there at half six. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the shutters down and no daylight. So, and then um, last couple of days, just been, uh, oh, just been, just been the office. I've really missed all the good weather, but uh, um, but perfect for uh, perfect for surfing. Um, so, yeah, Alistair, absolutely, uh, it's very much the underwater photography that we're really interested in chatting with you about because that's that sounds fascinating i've been looking at some of your work and um it, tell us about it how, how how have you got into how did you get into that um so actually back to surfing that's uh, kind of where it started off um i used to do i don't know a, a trip a year coming away somewhere exotic and um the nature of waves is that you might get two or three days quite good and then it will go flat so what else do you do? You start snorkeling and start seeing the wildlife, and and yeah, I've always been a sort of keen photographer. So the next stage is to to get under there and get get a bag and and uh, get underwater and photograph what I'm seeing. Um, were you were you already? Can I, can I just jump in there, Cam. Sorry, yeah. if you don't mind, because you said there. I said you, you got a bag and you got in there. For our, our listeners that might not know exactly what what that involves can you talk to us a little bit about you know what you mean by getting a bag and getting in there sort of what equipment 
is involved in in going and taking your expensive camera bodies uh, yeah. on the water because that's the stuff of nightmares for most photographers i think taking Absolutely. their, their camera bodies me. anywhere near water <laughs> so um yeah i started off with a little compact um cameras you get at the airport coming and and being a top side photographer, I was never happy with the quality and, and the, the lens choice. You only had what was what was there, the point and shoot. So I came across a company called Ewa Marine. And I think there's a few a few more out now as well. Um, and sorry, my phone's going. And um, yeah, they're, I could show you one. They're, they're basically a, a plastic bag, but they have a glass lens on the front. Right. So they fit. They'll fit all sorts of bodies and and different lens choices, um, so you you can get you know, really good photos from from shallow. Um, and are we talking about? Oh, sorry, sorry, I might sound about naive here. Are we talking about uh, about digital, or are we talking about film? Uh, this is all digital, yeah. Right. Okay. So, uh, what had got you? Were you already a keen photographer or working in photography when you? You know, when you got into underwater photography, or was that like the beginning of your photography? Um, I, yeah, I was always keen. Um, nothing really happened with it as such. And then, um, yeah, I think people took more interest in some of the underwater stuff. You know, Facebook started becoming more popular and, um, yeah, just getting seen more. Um, and then, sorry. I was going to say, yeah, because it's not the first thing when you speak to a photographer, is it, oh, what sort of photography do you do? And, uh you know, what are you into? And underwater, uh, you know, sounds like, like sounds, sounds truly fascinating. Absolutely. And it's um, sort of the wildlife aspect of it, which is kind of what drew me towards it at first, was, is so different on land. On land, you know, if you're, most animals are miles away and you need a big tele, telephoto lens. Well, underwater, a lot of the big animals which actually come come right up to you. Um, which is quite fun um, and scary sometimes. Um, so yeah, quite often you're shooting huge animals just with a, a with a wide angle lens. Sounds fantastic, actually. I think it's something I'd love to give a go one day. But then again, I do have a little bit of uh, I wouldn't say it's a phobia, but I do have a, a bit of a fear of uh, going too deep in the in the ocean and what might come up behind me whether it's you know some sort of shark or it doesn't matter what what uh depth of water i stand in i feel like a shark could come up and then attack me at any point so i'm a bit of a victim of the, the jaws propaganda i suppose you could say yeah so so were you yeah. qualified well, painting sharks into wrong light there aren't they the i know yeah that's right yeah. <laughs> it's not good <laughs> so you're a qualified diver uh alistair at that, at that yeah, time so, when you started yeah so um it's actually Started off a trip, a lovely trip to the Maldives and you know, going around the coral reefs there and doing all your macro shots of all the corals and little fish and stuff like that. And I came home and it's like, right, I, I need to learn to dive. Um, I, I kind of got the, the bag first and then, and then it's like, I need to dive so I can stay down longer and feel that. And I got into that um, and kind of progressed quite quickly, but I never felt that sort of safe or happy with a huge camera with all your tanks and mm. you've got to, you know someone else is basically looking after your life and I, I just wasn't that happy with that and, um down here um i suddenly saw this thing called free diving which i hadn't heard of before and and um, managed to get into that and i was hooked doing that um so and what exactly is is free diving sorry alistair 
so free diving is basically diving but without a tank of air so it's on a breath hold oh wow okay um and yeah and that, i sort of quickly did that as well and, and i mean just with the risk of sounding too whatever like um i don't know after a couple of years i i, I got to 40 meters underwater which is like pretty deep I mean, that's deep that was pretty deep yeah, it's deeper than you can dive recreationally with a scuba tank. So um, I've actually got a bit of a um, it's going it's going to be a bit dark now. The podcast, guys, but I've got a bit of a, a morbid curiosity with diving incidents. I have to say, and we'll yeah. bring this back onto photography really? in, in a minute. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I love uh, researching uh, diving gone wrong <laughs> because I find right, it fascinating that, that because you know, um, and Alistair, please correct me if I've got this wrong, but it, it yeah quite often or not quite often but there have been it's not uncommon for very experienced divers to um make a mistake and um lose or lose their whereabouts deep in the ocean that's right isn't it um and i've always been interested in what's gone wrong somewhere in that process because i've read and seen videos and stories about very experienced divers that know exactly what they're doing they've been diving all their lives but something goes wrong causes them to panic under the water and it's all about the series of events leading up to it and afterwards that I find really interesting and in, in how someone so experienced can actually have a fatal dive. Yeah. Um, so I, I told you guys that before, but I do, I have looked into it all. And it's, I find it really fascinating. Yeah. So I can imagine actually doing photography under there because diving in itself isn't easy, but actually doing that and, and thinking about your camera and getting creative still whilst having to manage your breath. And if you have got tanks with you, watch the tanks, everything. It must be really challenging at times. Yeah, so when I learned, was learning to scuba dive, you hear all these stories and they, they just made me go, no, I, I can't do all this in one go. And I was mm. desperate to get down and take photographs. And, mm. um, and freediving was a kind of a quicker route. Right. Because um, you you're, you are free as such because you don't have big belt. Well, you, ha- you have a weight belt to compensate for your wetsuit. But other than that and some fins, you don't have all the gear to worry about um and actually having the distraction of um having the camera helped hold hold a breath because I, I wasn't thinking so much about yeah. um yeah you know, of course about running out of there because it was like I, I was looking down the eyepiece and suddenly you look, oh, no, it's, it's it's it sounds really fascinating actually and i have to ask um how long do, how long can you hold your breath for when you go down for a dive you're holding your breath so, what's the longest you hold hold for so generally because when when you're moving um i'd say up to about two minutes it's not it's not that long but what's nice between that and scuba diving long scuba, to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean in a pool you can you do this thing um yeah to try and hold your breath for as long as you can and, and that's you can do a lot longer because you're not actually moving any muscles you're, you're basically playing dead if you like mm. um mm. so you can you know over double that but because you're moving um yeah generally yeah well unless something amazing was going on two minutes would be about my max but and also scuba diving you you 
you might have 40 minutes, but free diving, you can spend all day going up and down. So you have a lot more time in one space. Does that makes sense? Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. 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 I'm, fascin- I'm fascinated with the light that you get down there. Um, mm. I mean, do you take, have you got any additional light with you? Have you got something attached to your camera, to your kit? Or I'm guessing it's maybe, would you just go down with a camera? Or is it a rig of some sort that you've got that's that's got your camera and then maybe some lighting attached to it? Yeah, so um, sort of the physics and stuff behind light. I think at five metres, you lose red. And then right. 10 metres, you lose yellow. and all. So as you get yeah. deeper, you are, you're losing your colours, you're losing your contrast, hmm. um, uh, losing your sharpness and stuff. So, yeah, you, you kind of need to bring in some light. But to be honest... Almost everything I do is wide angle, so the lights won't won't get as far as right. Yeah, won't hit the subject a lot of the time, unless yeah, I do for some things like um, sharks and stuff because they come really close. You can actually just lift the shadows with them. Yeah, um, but yeah, shoot just shooting near the surface is is kind of the best. It's mm, the best way. Yeah. yeah. Is there a particular sort of um, uh, weather condition that's ideal for it? A particular time of day? You know, is it something like sunrise or you know, like uh, midday sun or something? You know, what what, yeah, so, what what would be the ideal light conditions? Yeah, but, um, you've got on the whole day. What's nice is actually midday. I'm like topside top of midday is quite nice because you get the best um so yeah. penetration of light into into the mm. water and that disappears really quick i can't remember what it is i think i'll make a guess it's not every 10 meters it halves the, the light right yeah so it goes down quite quickly um might be a meter i can't remember <laughs> so i can't remember the question what was uh so we're talking about the best time, the best, the best time, time of day, best yeah. So the conditions to shoot in, yeah. Yeah. So late in the evening, uh, early in the morning, you get really nice dappled lights. Mm. Um, and so if there's a bit of um, ripples at the surface, you'll get all the nice, you know, that effect on the water. Um, mm. But you know, diving, you can't beat a nice flat day. Mm. And obviously, yeah. you go, you go out, and you're obviously a photographer. Do you see other people? with cameras there do you you know <laughs> i mean how popular um, is it people going down someone getting in the way you know with, <laughs> yeah. with a, a camera down there yeah. that's right yeah you know i mean how many people do actually take you know a half decent camera down with them you know is it is it rare that you actually see somebody um yeah quite yeah pretty rare to be honest there's there's kind of hot spots where you know it's a the place to go um and you might see a few other people um mm quite often you bump into a few divers who are doing it it's quite fun yeah um so, yeah. so and, and then the kit that you're using is it is it specialist underwater camera or is it really you know like a, a standard dslr which has got the the, the protection the housing on around it the housing yeah so it's a standard dslr i've got a um a d810 nikon d810 which i got when it first oh, came out and got the housing camera, yeah. mm. um and yeah i mean that they're ridiculously expensive, but, you know, more than the camera, but um, they're modular, which is quite nice. So you can, I don't know if, so they have ports on them, a bit like a lens, which you change for mm-hmm. different size lenses. Um, and they have, yeah, you can attach strobes to them, to which are all, you know, wired in through various ports and yeah. stuff. Hey, this might sound like a crazy question, but can you change a lens underwater? 
Um, not really. <laughs> they have um, on some underwater kit. They do have wetlands, which right. can flip over the front. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, wide yeah. angle to say fifty mil or something like that. Yeah. Um, which you can do on the fly, which is quite good. But that, yeah, for me, it, I just want it as simple as possible and kind of yeah, of course, yeah, decision and going. Yeah. Well, I think because you're holding your breath and you're lo- you're looking for obviously your subject, you've got a camera underwater, which isn't the most usual situation anyway. Um, to have too much going on with the gear itself, you know, it's it's just another element to be worrying about, isn't it? So I think at that stage, you probably want to be worrying about the camera less and more about just what you're shooting, isn't it? which I suppose is where the wide angle is really good, actually, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think, yeah, scuba diving, you can do macro and stuff all day long because you can put the time in, but for two minutes, you don't have a long time to mm. you know, settle somewhere. You're disturbing the sand, possibly, or and you've got to wait for, you know, if you're doing an animal, for it to, to be relaxed in front of you and stuff. I've got a question, actually, for the, for everyone here. I don't know if you've heard of this, right? Mm. And, and Alistair, you may know this, I don't know or not, but there's something that I, it's not really diving related, but it's to do with holding your breath. Um, <clears throat> and I saw it on uh, I saw it on Reddit going back some time ago now. But there was a shot of Tom Cruise um, in a Mission Impossible film, and he's back. He's tied up on a boat, I think, and the boat's sinking. I think it's on a boat, and he's about to go underwater. His head is he can't get himself free, so he starts hyperventilating. And I've read, or they said, everyone online said at that point, and I read that when you hyperventilate before going underwater, you get less CO2 in your blood and more oxygen in your blood and it allows you to hold your breath for longer. Is that right? And is that something that divers use when you free dive or anything like that? Um, it's correct what you say, but it's really dangerous. Oh, is it? Yeah, because that's <laughs> right. Whatever you do, don't do that. Okay, yeah, that's right. disclaimer there. Uh, please <laughs> yeah. do not try that. <laughs> yeah. so, so, so don't listen to Rob when it comes to diving, guys. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You want, you then, want CO2 yeah. in your blood because that's that's a natural trigger for you to want to breathe. Right, and if you take yes. that away, okay. and your brain will just shut down and, and wait oh, for right. your brain shuts down and it's not good. Yeah, we don't want okay. that. Okay, all right. Well, we we don't want that. Let's. Mm-hmm. We'll move on, don't shall we? Don't want to do that. Just breathe normally before you <laughs> yeah. go underwater. Or hold what about, absolutely. Have you um, been... I've just got a question about your your work, if that's right, Alistair, because I've been looking at your website, um, and you do quite a few different things. I mean, what's the sort? What's 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 to say your your I don't know your, your your main thing that you focus on with? Is, is it wildlife? Because I also know you have got like portraiture and you do yeah. So thing I think yeah, wildlife is more of. Um, a hobby right so at the moment i'm hopefully well semi working on a on a documentary secrets um which involves wildlife which is really great um that's cool but yeah coming home obviously uh from trips and stuff it's you know i'm desperate to get in the water and and the cornish coast in in the winter you can't see a thing but um luckily our local dive club have built a pool so um yeah so we brought in and you know i was straight in there to try and shoot as much as possible and, and managed to find people who are interested in doing some stuff so yeah i've done yeah. Um, pregnancy um yeah all sorts of models um mermaids babies you name it yeah wow well, I mean, okay because i'm a portrait photographer that's what i do and of course a big part of my job is posing people and directing people um which is fine when you're above water in a studio yeah. and you've got 
you know, an hour and a half to do it all and whatever. Um, how do you go about that when you've only got two minutes to do it? They probably can't hear what you're saying underwater. How, how, do, you, how do you sort of direct them and, and, and get them to do what you, what you want them to do? Um, so I'd start off, I normally have um, some pictures of either pinched off the internet or from previous shoots, and I'll show them kind of where, you know, what we're looking at doing start them off um and normally is it you know i'll probably book the pool for three or four hours um because there's always the first hour where everyone's a bit nervous and you know they haven't held their breath before so i'm almost teaching them a little bit to to relax and to get in the zone and then you have like a little sweet spot for about half an hour before they start getting cold and tired Mm. and stuff like that so um yeah, and the beauty of freediving is I'm com- coming up with them every time, and you know we have a look at what I've taken, and um, you know try and try and keep them motivated and, and happy and stuff. Um, and hopefully, yes, some images will start happening, and it yeah we you know everyone gets excited and yeah, and I think just it's one of those situations where the more that they see on the back of the camera. Because I think you don't when you're in the water, you don't quite know how you look, and obviously yeah. they look very elegant in the pictures, and it's obviously posed really well. But I'm, I can imagine they must be a bit sort of lost at first on how they how they look. So when they see themselves on the back of the camera and see how brilliant it looks, it gives them that confidence to carry yeah, on, doesn't it? And, yeah. and buy and into it, it. Yeah, and it might take a while because you know, you sort of first half hour you're looking and going, well, we need to do maybe try this or this, and, and yeah, it's just finding the right. And you might be going for a pose or, and they, they just can't do it. So you have to kind of move on and try and adapt. And um, yeah. And then some people are unbelievable. Um, I've photographed some dancers and yeah, just unbelievable underwater. I suppose that's the ideal subject, actually, isn't it? Is, is you know, a, a dancer, a ballerina, something like that, that really knows how to hold their pose yeah um and strike a pose yeah. i mean like doing it underwater i can imagine is is a real challenge but the fact they already have that that grounding yeah. must make it a much smoother process and and must be a, a dream for you to shoot in those situations as well yeah no it's, it's definitely good um and obviously it's like no gravity kind of as well so you know they can pull off moves which and hold them for a lot longer than they would um above land um yeah it's good, good fun and I know Cam has asked about lighting before, um, but uh, so just looking through some of these portrait portraits, mm-hmm. I mean, the lighting doesn't seem to just be coming from above here. Um, no, so is there other, there's, there's other stuff going on, right? So, yeah. I mean, so I have um, a couple of um, like normal studio lights, battery powered, like Godox, the 600 and the 400, I think, um, yeah. which I've kind of, I've rigged uh, Sort of homemade, um, what do you call it? Uh, uh, a light cable, can't do a word, uh, basically to sync it. So when the flash goes off my camera, it'll send a signal up to, to the um, right. and, and fire them off. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a lot, a lot part of it. I'll have someone at the top kind of repositioning them. And, um, yeah. If somebody wanted to start out, thought, "Hey, you know, I, I fancy giving this a go." Actually, um, what what would be a basic kit and a basic essential kit that somebody would need to start off with? Um, I think the cheapest way to start would be to get one of these bags, um, and I think some of them now you can actually fit 
a trigger on them as well. So you could, I don't, you may have to have the camera just at the surface, I'm guessing. I'm guessing it wouldn't work underwater. Um, but I find right at the surface is where the most interesting shots are. You get all the lovely reflections. Mm, yeah. Um, and from that angle, it's like, you know, it's mirrored. Um, so that and a friendly pool who will let you, let you do it. <laughs> That's yeah, right. yeah you, you can't openly walk into your local swimming pool with a camera <laughs> and you'd be arrested, wouldn't you? But, <laughs> yeah. but um, so, so here in the UK, where is, is there a prime location for something like this is it is it where you're based is it somewhere that you know that, that everybody would want to go like you know there's obviously well good surfing spots aren't there but is there anywhere particularly in the uk uh for you know that that somebody's really keen could head you know should head out to to or, do portraits yeah yeah um not really it's it's yeah i don't know many people who do it to be honest but, yeah. um it's the, the problem is always the pool, yeah. um, which we have, you know, it's hard here because um, now this dive pool is quite busy, so they use it a lot and it gets quite murky. And, yeah, I'm and sure, it, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. Just on a, a side note, and um, you know, there's a lot of talk, isn't there, about uh, the oceans and how as we as humans should, should be looking after and got a responsibility and the plastics and the rubbish that you now see. Do, do, you, do you notice that at all? Do, do you notice... Uh, you know, uh, rubbish and things that are floating about in the sea. Have you noticed a difference, or is that not anything that that that's really affected uh, you? Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't. I I haven't known it not to, to be honest. Right. So, yeah. There's always litter in the sea. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, you know, I wonder. You know, if you, you know, a photographer goes out, gets some really good images, and when you get back and you look at them on screen, and you just see this fog or something, you know, and and that's possibly caused by by pollution. I don't know whether you know. Um, people have fallen foul of that you know yeah not so much so mm. you get um sort of plankton blooms and mm. you know, we've had some, a bit of bad weather it'll lift up all the silt and mm. currents and all sorts um, yeah yeah it's more that that you have a problem that sort of battle against in the photograph and yeah good litter yeah. tends to be either too small to see or or it is the subject <laughs> yeah yeah so moving on for that because it's fascinating uh, but it, it leads quite quite nicely into something else i wanted to talk about and it, it it's to do with uh, and robert you'd mentioned something about uh, was it about fear you had about diving is that what you were saying i think that you know uh, just a, just a general like wimpy fear of water i always think right it doesn't okay. matter where i am whether i'm knee height in water in the in the sea mm. i feel like a shark could come up and get me you know? <laughs> right. it's a really irrational yeah. fear of sharks yeah that, that jaws has painted for me yeah, because I, I just wanted to talk about that because I think that the whole underwater photography is it it would be quite a challenge for anybody that's that's not done it before, but particularly I, I guess since no not particularly since lockdown, but generally uh, you know I've, I've read a lot of articles on mental health and that type of thing, uh, you know um, during the last year, and and I was reading this article about as photographers is is there anything that you fear? Uh, that you've tried to overcome in your photography is it something that you've just sort of a, a subject that you think that you've that any of you have thought you know that's just not for me i can't do that um you know that you've actually had a maybe a bit of a fear about doing that at all have any of you ever been in that position or can think straight away that's something that i would never approach that that's fear. Hmm. can you think of anything at all photography fear 
Some people got fear of going up high, haven't they? Some people got some people got fear of weddings, haven't they? They don't they're not comfortable in that in that situation. Well, I, I think that's a fear for anyone starting out. I mean, if you if you're not anxious about shooting a wedding to making mm. sure that it's perfect, then that I, th- I think there's something wrong, really. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. You, you, I think you learn to control that the more you do it. Mm. Um, but you know, when I did my first wedding, I was bricking it to be quite honest with you um <laughs> way back when um so so yeah i mean i don't know if i've got any particular fears that jump to mind i mean i kind of would like to do a parachute and maybe re- record that but i've not done it i'm sure i'd be scared at the time but it is something i would like to do i remember when i first started out with the portrait stuff and one of the things i did find difficult was sort of directing people sort of mm. taking the lead being that boss and that is mm. something that you know, I was very happy just lighting things and, and all that kind of stuff, but actually sort of directing people, um, being that person, um, I suppose the expert in the room who's, you know, the, the boss of the room, perhaps, I don't know. But um, I found that hard, at, you know, when I started out. Mm. Um, That's interesting, that know. because I guess, you know, um, it's something that I'm just apprehensive about, but I do feel comfortable with it now. But but I was actually I was actually taught that by somebody um you know uh i was taught that by a very very experienced wedding photographer who taught me a lot and a lot of that was just how to conduct yourself and how to make sure that you 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 know you are heard and that you are seen to be the professional as well yeah but but that came with guidance it wasn't something that i that i picked up just naturally Uh, because some people are naturally sort of they can just get in your face and in, yeah, you know, into people and, and really talk about stuff yeah. like that but it was more to do with you know is there anything sort of as, w- as well also is there anything challenging or something was there something that you that you'd think that you'd like to take on as a you know um as, as a project maybe as well right. a photographic fact, project then, if, if we're if we're talking still about like a challenge and a, and a i wouldn't say fear necessarily but you could mm. say that i suppose I'd like to ask alistair you know as far as, as his diving goes and the diving photography you know i've often heard that there's a um like a a temptation with diving to go deeper and deeper for longer and longer. Um, is there that temptation with you, Alistair, to, to go down deeper for longer, to stay out more and, and shoot for longer, that sort of thing? <laughs> um, not really that, to be honest. Um, by, by completing, you know, so yeah, 40 metres makes me really happy at 10 metres. If I hadn't done that, I, would be, I wouldn't be happy at 10 metres coming. So. Mm. Um, yeah, depth's never really exciting me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'd be quite happy to stay out all day if I didn't get cold. Yeah, <laughs> I think yeah. I think the challenge is almost a bit different for you because your your sole purpose really is for the photography there, isn't it? Yeah. Um, whereas I think a lot of people that just do the, um, I don't know, let's, let's say it's tank diving. I don't know what the actual phrase is, but they're looking to go exploring, aren't they? And and stay down or go down for longer. So perhaps their challenge or their goal is different, isn't it? Whereas your your objective is to get some fantastic shots underwater as well. So you've kind of got a different motivation. Is that fair to say, do you think? Yeah, I think so. Um, actually, watching other free divers is an incredible experience because you see them all kind of getting in there, the whole zones and, and uh, yeah. There's, there's a photo on your website, actually, that I think is... Um, is fantastic it's quite a scary photo as well in a way and uh, it's a shot of uh of someone that you're with that's diving free diving i suppose and i think it's a female and she's sort of laying back and spread out almost yeah. in this just massive blue 
and all of a sudden you get this real kind of um i don't know looking at it i i love the shot but i got this kind of uh daunting kind of uh emotion from because you realize actually just how big that that blue space is that that openness you know yeah. so how isolated yeah they, yeah um yeah it's really good when you when you see people out and they they suddenly yeah they just start playing like kids as well and yeah. you know it's brilliant I bet, I bet it feels like flying almost doesn't it in yeah, a way. it is yeah you are a drone in the water you can literally yeah. kind of move around in the space just the same um yeah it's very cool it's something that I'd love to try. I don't know about you guys. Could you perhaps could you perhaps see us doing a, a photography bar session underwater, guys? What do you think? Underwater. <laughs> perhaps not recording a podcast, but actually shooting. <laughs> no, I was gonna say it would be a bit quieter. <laughs> shooting under shooting underwater. Is that something you guys you, you like to give a go? Yeah, we've got a we're yeah, kind of I... growing this list, aren't we now? So we've got so many things <laughs> that we're gonna do when lockdown. So we've got to do the astronomy one still. Yes, um, yeah. we've got to be turned into zombies. <laughs> yeah, and now right, we're yeah. adding the underwater photography as well. Well, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I do love the idea of uh, of the underwater stuff. I think that would be that would be fantastic. That really would yeah. be something to try that. Um, so doing what, portraits or...? Well, I don't know. Well, just giving it... Just going I do portraits. I'd, I'd want to do that, yeah. Because I yeah, think but... uh, I really like the look. I love the... There's one, I think it's a ballerina. And I think you flip the picture upside down to the reflections on the top. On your website, yes, I've seen. Am that. I right with that? Uh, I, think I've seen, I think I've seen the one you're talking about, Mark. There, and I think, yeah, I agree. It's that's a fantastic shot. Yeah, yeah. But going, I was, I was going to say, do, doing that and going underwater and doing something to actually, rather than just going underwater with a camera, and just going click, click, click. It'd be great to go underwater to actually try and do something like a portrait or to direct something and do it. I think that would be the yeah. thing. Perhaps, uh, perhaps we'll give that a go and uh, probably perhaps have to get your, your knees underwater for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, maybe. maybe. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not like deathly afraid of water, but it's always in the back of my mind a little bit. And if mm. I stand on something a bit sharp in the water, I'm like, oh, what was that? You know, you know, jellyfish, the, you, know or... you know the technique, shoot from the waist. You could just stand just up to your waist, <laughs> couldn't you, and just hold the camera down <laughs> underwater. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, but I think if I was if I was to do it, um, I think you guys are saying about you'd like to shoot some portraits and things, but I'd actually quite like to go down and do more of the wildlife oh, side yeah. of things. I think yeah. that's something that I'd really, yeah. I'd really love to do actually. Mm. Um, yeah. Just something totally different, totally out of my comfort zone. And I, mm. I quite like, um, I think, I think, well, I think we all do it, but it, it's always quite good to go out of your comfort zone, isn't it? And try something quite different. And that for me would yeah. be, you know, uh, <laughs> Well, I'll be well out of my comfort zone. I'll be checking my shoulder. If I did see a shark behind me, I'd let go of my breath and I'd be in real trouble then, wouldn't I, Alistair? So. <laughs> yeah, the nearest I've got to it. So I bought, uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of it. It's called the Kodak Sport. It was a, uh, it was the size of a just a, an average iPhone, uh, like an iPhone 6. And it was a video camera. Uh, waterproof and I took it to went to Florida many years ago I still got the videos of that going down the water shoots and the water parks and going into the sea and then making sure that uh, I didn't lose the actual camera and mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't say I've got anything particularly good because once you go once you go underwater it's just you just it's just like a crash underwater and you come back out again it's just that you're amazed that you can watch this footage back because it's completely dry but uh, that was a really good it's a really good camera actually and, yeah. uh, and they, yeah. you get um, housings for your phones now and gopros yeah. are unbelievable yeah that's right the gopros must yeah. be amazing yeah there must be a there must be a housing for uh, for mobiles for for an iphone it must be something yeah. Yeah. You know, so. i've got one for my gopro i've oh, never have you? used yeah. it it came with it and i've never 
never really used it. Um, but you know, next time I get the opportunity, I'd definitely be uh, taking it with and use it on something pretty cool. Yeah, that's but, right. Yeah, but yeah, it was just that whole idea of you know coming out of your comfort zone and doing something that completely gets your mind switched you know, um, off from just the normal stuff and doing something that where your mind, you know, when you're out of your comfort zone, that's all you're thinking about, you know, and, um, and, uh, yeah, I wouldn't mind giving that a go actually at some point, but, um, that will be quite interesting to do. So Robert, yeah. I think you're going to move on to something else that you'd come across, which we'd be talking about uh, over the last few days, hadn't we? That that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And in fact, before we do that, I'd just like to ask, uh, ask just one last question, because I'm really curious to know, um, have you ever lost any gear to the elements when you're underwater? Has it, anything gone wrong with the housing at any point? Or <laughs> yeah, so um, <laughs> we uh, when GoPro came out with their 360 camera, okay, um, I got a housing flat which is basically like a goldfish bowl, and I had lots of lead, and I went to a seal colony nearby to leave it just recording for I don't know as long as it would you know come back at the end of the day and pick it up to hopefully get some interaction with the seals because it, mm-hmm. sort of, it looks like a big glass mirror so you know they kind of like that kind of stuff and came back and it wasn't there so the real mystery uh, there to know what happened there to that then. so it might turn up because you hear um yeah GoPros wash up all the time over here with people using them you know all covered in an algae and stuff so i'm hoping that you know <laughs> One this amazing bit of footage will come up <laughs> yeah oh that could be award-winning footage as well couldn't it so. and yeah. <laughs> um, yeah i mean I'm just, I'm just curious to know there because um you know i'm not going to name any names i feel like i'm always pick on a cam for this but we we someone in this group loses gear at the best of times so uh, i was just curious to know if underwater under pressure no pun intended under pressure um that um yeah it must be a challenge at times to keep hold of all your gear and things but uh, yeah i like that that just kind of just mystery just, gopro I just yeah. jump in there robert talking about losing gear when i <laughs> I, I was sorting out my gear the other day for a shoot that we had on Monday. So Friday I was sorting it out. I thought I can't find my Nikon 85 mil lens and I've got some other lights as well, some portable lights. Where are they? So I went through all the gear and couldn't find it anywhere. So I sent Robert a message. I said, Robert, have you got the, have you got the Nikon 85 mil? And an immediate no came back, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> right, that's right. Yeah. Then I, um, I thought, then I remembered that I think you did have it for a shoot that you did a couple of weeks ago. So I remember, I think I spoke to you. I said, Robert, do you remember doing that shoot at such and such? And you took the lights, didn't you? You must have taken the Nikon 85. And ah, uh, yes, well, I did. Sony 85. Sony 85. Is it Sony 85? Right. Yes, uh, okay. Right. Yeah. Uh, no, but you're all right. Yeah. You caught me there. You caught me there. But I didn't <laughs> lose it. I didn't lose it, did I? It was just, I just forgot it was in my bag. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, it's, it's the pandemic era, isn't it? We go so long now between shoots that you forget what you've got in your bag. Yeah, it's exactly. Dust again. That's right. So that yeah. does, that does actually bring me nicely on to uh, our, our next kind of uh, talking point, if you like. And um, it's probably not something we're going to spend loads of time talking about, but I thought it was quite an interesting thing and uh, a bit of a nice touch, actually, from Kate Middleton uh, launching a new photography book that uh, documents the COVID-19 situation, a uh, lockdown situation in the UK. And it's basically a, a collection of pictures that she's she's worked with the National Portrait Gallery to collect a number of submissions for this book. And um, it's going to be going on display, uh, the images from the book, uh, in the National Portrait Gallery in May this year. And um, it's just a, a, a real sort of mix 
of uh, people's perspectives, I suppose, from from the lockdown. So you've got, I think, someone that's involved in this book from as, as young as four years old um, up to mid-70s, I think. So it's just wow. like a collaborative effort where people have submitted their their situation, if you like, whether it's nurses, doctors, uh, patients, just people in lockdown, um, working from home, but a real kind of, <clears throat> what's the word I'm looking for here? A real kind of uh, snapshot, if you like, of life in lockdown across the country. And something that I think in years to time, we've been saying it throughout the entire pandemic, haven't we, guys, that we're going to look back on all these pictures um, when it's all said and done. And um, and and they are going to be historic, you know, whether it's something as simple as someone wearing a mask in the street that you might think nothing of now, in 10, 15 years time, perhaps even less. That's going to be like, you know, that's lockdown. That's a pandemic. Mm. Um, so I think it's a really, really cool idea to have this 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 book put together that presumably I mean, I haven't seen a lot of the pictures from it. There's some great ones that I have seen. But um, presumably these are, you know, a really nice artistic collection of uh, photographs, basically, that, that tell a good story. Um, and, and obviously a very serious and uh, sad story as well. But I think one of Kate's, um, I say Kate because we're, we're, on, we're on first. <laughs> yeah. We're on first. Yeah. We? <laughs> <laughs> one of Kate's uh, aims with this book was to actually show actually that there was some good that's come out of the pandemic as well. And to show not only the the bad and the sad, um, but actually the the brighter moments and, um, you know, the bits where you've seen people come together um, throughout lockdown to make life a bit easier for others uh, and to make to make things better for some people. So it's, it, from what I can gather, it's going to be a real mix of, of images, but quite possibly some some emotional stuff in there as well. So I, I really look forward to to get my hands on that. Actually. I think I'm going to I think I will actually buy that um because that's a bit of history and you know perhaps guys we could even i'm just i'm giving us loads of things to do here perhaps we'll go down and, and have a look though uh, when it's safe to do so in in london at the national portrait gallery and and, and check that out um but yeah I just want to see what you guys thought that sort of thing like a like a like a book that really brings it all together ties it all in obviously you can't have you can't have everyone's photos in it but you know mm. something that's quite carefully curated what, what do you think to that um i i mean i haven't gone out and documented covid that the whole year uh not in any way not really i've gone out for walks and things and the odd picture here and there but not not thinking right i'm going to go out and, and i'm going to go and do this and document what i see and everything um alistair have you have you actually sort of actually put your mind to that and said right i'm going to document what's going on there have you not approached um, that at all so part of this documentary i'm working on we i managed to get a some special permission to get out on the boat and do a bit of filming on the first lockdown what was that a year ago with the lovely weather and go around some of the sort of iconic cornish spots and i've, I've droned it basically and it's like completely empty mm. being i think oh yeah maybe april i don't know but all the flowers are out the grass is beautifully green it was like mm. idyllic but with nobody on it it was really strange um so it's quite lucky for that other than that yeah i didn't really get out to be honest yeah i think yeah. One thing, actually if, you know what i was if it was if i was going to document something that i noticed is actually there, was, there seems to be more litter everywhere i don't know whether you guys have found that going and 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 i've read about it as well that there is there is more litter uh, in the last year there's been more litter left out in the streets and in parks really? yeah than at any other Funny. time 
and and I've gone out on walks and seen just um, litter that we wouldn't normally see, and and I don't know why that is. People have got there is no excuse for that, and I and that was one thing that I was going to take pictures of. And um, in fact, I was going to go and buy one of those litter pickers. So when I went out on my walk, I was actually, I was actually going to do it with a bin bag and go around. No, I was going to do it. And I was going to document it. That's what I was going to do because it was, because it was really frustrating. And we've got three or four parks I go by that are fairly near to us. And they're all the same. And I, I think I saw it yesterday, <clears throat> a little park area not far from us. And obviously the teenagers had been out there. You could just tell, you know, what was, what had been oh, thrown around. these teenagers. <laughs> and um, sounded so, like you are sounding I know. like an old man. Old oh, man, know. I know. All teenagers, people. I know. I was going to pick up all their rubbish. <laughs> yeah, and I was going to rent it as well. Yeah. Well, actually, fact, my wife was going to pick it up. Jules was going to pick it up. I said, "No, don't touch anything." You, you know, they were like some crisp packets and and bottles. She goes, oh, "I'm going to pick them up and put them in the bin." The bin was like twenty yards away, and I said, "No, you better not touch anything." Is there a um, chance it, it blown out the bin? Um, no. No, no, this no, is because the bin's got covered. Because it's got covered. No, but it was talking about what I would have documented, what I did think about yeah. documenting, but I actually didn't. And the other thing yeah. I noticed was how, and again, I don't know if it was just me, but I know there was less pollution. That improved how I think last year how mm. the the sky looked bluer, and I think the colours were more enhanced as well. Whether I was just paying more attention to the colour of the grass and the trees, <laughs> Robert, you got a smile on your face. <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> I thought, I actually thought... That I don't know about things, that, Cam. The sky looking bluer. I think it did. And <laughs> because it was less, it was less pollution. I actually, well, there was less clouds in the sky, inside. maybe. I mean. Yeah. No, but I did think that it made a difference, whether I was just more aware of it. <laughs> 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 I don't know why it's just caught me. Do you know, I'm just... going to find this fact. I'm going to find this. That was the. It was yeah. the. We know that the air was clearer. Had you not just taken your vibrance okay. up plus fifty? No, 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 no. I'm going to look at this and I'm going to find that this was a fact. Like the fact. Do you remember, Robert, when we said that the more pictures that you shoot on your camera, the heavier that it gets because you got a lot of pictures on your ca- on your, yeah. in your memory card. And yeah. Alistair, that is actually a fact. <laughs> so ones are heavier than zeros. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah, that's right. But, but I mean, it's minuscule the weight difference, but. But there is. Technically, exactly. you've got to give it to him. Well, actually, well, I should I should just add to this, right? Because Alice is going to think that we're insane here in a minute. But we <laughs> yeah. we it was a thing. It was a thing that we would put a prank on some people that we worked with when we were out on shoots and say, "Hold my camera for a second. And we go all right. And they go, "It's bloody heavy, that isn't it?" And I took a lot of pictures today, haven't I? It's really heavy now, my camera. And then uh, we looked it up, and we actually found out that yeah, when you're when you've taken pictures and you and your card is full, it's microscopically like almost immeasurably slightly heavier than it is when it's blank <laughs> so so careful um, yes yeah, so, so careful when you're, careful when you're diving <laughs> and yeah. back to that into your weight yeah that's right exactly just but yeah you, you need to factor that in don't you um, now coming on anyway. to cameras and, and and all credit to uh to kate for doing that i don't know yes. as well as you do robert but uh, yeah. and to be fair she's been getting some good press recently isn't she on the uh, various things that she's been involved in but uh, but 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 good for her that's a, a really good yeah. thing no, it's it's a good it's a good project, yeah. and uh, yeah, it, yeah, it's, right, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what's in there. Yeah, and, yeah now, going to now, the exhibition will be cool. Now, the last thing I want to talk about today is I would just want to jump back straight to cameras. Now, you know when you go out and buy a camera and you think, God, why is this camera so damn expensive? And we, and we, you know, we're in the industry, we know why cameras are generally expensive. But but what, what you know, if I was to ask you, what's what feature do you think is probably the most imp- the most expensive part of a camera? What would you what would you say? 
It actually is. Why, why is that it, says Leica on it? Why is a camera so ex- <laughs> right? Why is a cam- Why are certain cameras just so expensive? But yeah, you're right. It might have Hasselblad written on it, or you know. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna say it's, uh, it's got to be to do with the sensor, isn't it? A lot of it. Yeah. yeah, especially new ones. If they've just developed one, then it, you know, it's it's first one out. New technology, yeah, yeah. It's always more yeah. expensive, isn't it? So, so the mirrorless ones will push down the DSLRs, I'm sure, for for quite a bit, which is yeah. good because. That's probably what I'll buy next anyway, DSLR. Mm. So. Well, well, no, the reason why I was asking, it's not about certain parts of a camera or anything, but it just occurred to me in uh, in the last few days, I thought, I wonder what the most expensive camera is in the world. I mean, the most expensive camera that I've handled has been a Hasselblad. And I think I, think I mentioned this once before, going back several years ago, I was interested in uh, in, in getting one of the digital the, the Hasselblads. It's good going back a good few years ago, and the rep from Hasselblad, or say from Hasselblad, where whichever dealer that he came from, um, dealership rather he came from, um, came to see me and uh, went through this Hasselblad with me. and said, "Yeah, great." Spent about an hour and a half here at the office, and uh, we opened it up, used it. It was great, and uh, and he said, "Yeah, you know, you know, we really good to hear back from you." But what he did before he left, he he handed me the case with the Hasselblad. I said, oh, right, okay. And he said, hang on to it for a few days. And um, and I think at the time, I think this camera was about 22,000, <clears> 22,000 pounds. He just left it with me for four or five days. Didn't need to sign anything. Didn't need to just, you know, there's no reason why he wouldn't trust me. But he just handed it over to me. And I think that's the most camera expensive camera that I've ever got my ever got my hands on. Uh, and then when I did look at some of the Hasselblad prices recently, they're about thirty-six thousand forty. I think I came across the one that was forty-two thousand. But it, that including the Phase One back, though. Uh, do you know? I don't actually know. I'd have to look. I only look. I think it, if for that amount, I'd imagine it would. Right. Okay. But I, I'm not. No, I'm not entirely convinced, uh, uh, Mark. It might might not be the case, but we're worth looking up. But anyway, so I came. So I thought. I wonder what is the most expensive camera in the world, or what was the most? There's got to be a, a, cam, a historical camera. And you know the make it's going to be, don't you, Mark? Leica. It's okay, got to be. It's going to be a Leica, okay? <laughs> yes, of course. And how much do you reckon that this camera sold for uh, several oh. years ago? I, uh, I don't know what year it's sold for. But how much do you reckon it actually sold for, unless you're already aware of it? Any idea? It's, is this like an antique Leica? Is it gone it on is. for auction? It okay. So. Yeah. Um, so. Any, any guesses? There was there was a camera that was sold a, a famous a famous photographer's camera that was sold wasn't there? Uh, was a Cartier Bresson. I think it was a, uh, I might be wrong. But it was a Henry Cartier Bresson camera. You might well be I that think. one. And I, I think was it, this? Mm, no, you're talking it, over it, a million, aren't you? It's got to be shortly. Mm. Someone someone's fa- a famous photographer's camera. Okay, know? give me a give me a give me a figure. What do you reckon? You've gone to an auction. There's the camera, <clears> and people <throat> are bidding for it. What do you reckon? Well, has it had a famous owner? Uh, I don't know. No. no, no, I can tell you it hadn't. It hasn't. Okay, okay. in that case, all right. In that case, I'm going to say eight hundred thousand. There's a random, completely Ooh. random guess. Okay, Alistair, what do you reckon? Uh, I'm going to go down to two fifty. Two hundred fifty thousand. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, okay. I'll go. I'll kind of split in the middle. Then I'll go five hundred. <laughs> thousand five hundred thousand okay so here we go the most expensive camera in the world the most expensive camera in the world is the leica zero series from 1923 it sold for a jaw-dropping 2.97 million dollars 
<laughs> that's wow. three million dollars okay and tell from um, your faces there okay like a one-off yeah yeah <laughs> And uh, I could have done it again. I did it again. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, have, yeah. That's right. Um, and well, it goes on to say that the camera is not exactly something you can buy. Um, it says, and the article says, I'm listing it for the most curious out there. It's a rare camera for a collect for a collection, and not something that is real commercial use. Um, and you spend that much money on it, and you can't even you can't even uh, it, use it. Is that what so, they're saying? So it's sold. Oh, at, if you spend that amount of money on a camera, would you use it? Well, yes, I would. If I spent two and would you? Million, yeah, if, I, if I'd spent two and a half million pounds on my camera, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure I use it 100. percent Oh, what so, if you drop it though? Yeah. <laughs> well, there is that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Imagine you dropped it. So, okay, so it doesn't have the Kevlar coating that the, the the new the new Leica does. But anyway, so so it sold at a, an auction in Vienna in 2018, um, and it was part of a batch of 25 test cameras that were produced in 1923. And only three are in, in are in the original conditions as of today. Um, so it was only a test camera. It wasn't actually, uh, you know, a, a camera that, that was actually used sort of commercially. Um, and it's bought by a private collector from Asia uh, from 1923. <laughs> but yeah, three million, just under three million dollars. And when I look wow. at the list of the most uh, expensive cameras, um, the, the top three are all Leicas. Um, the second most expensive one sold for two million. Uh, the Leica M3D2 black paint, um, and it was uh, now this was manufactured for uh, for a war photojournalist, uh, David Douglas Duncan, and he was famous for his war photos. It says here in Korea, Vietnam, and for his work with his friend uh, Pablo Picasso. And so, only four of these cameras were actually made. So, David Douglas Duncan was the, was the, the the famous person there, and then the third one on the list sold for one point three million, and that was another Leica, and that was going back from nineteen thirty. Um, and it said it was just it was just because it was just so rare. Only nineteen, only ninety five cameras of this were produced, um, but it had original gold plating and a lizard skin body. Uh, and like it, you know. So I mean, I think it's down to the fact that it's rare. I mean, anything that's rare mm. costs a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, if you think about vinyl, if you're trying to find like a first edition of Dark Side of the Moon, for example, mm. that's a lot more expensive than the than the fourth edition. That's right. You know? yeah. and, and I and, think that's probably what that's more down to. Yeah. And then as we move on, sort of now to more modern day okay uh cameras the phase one mark that you said uh most expensive mm. m- uh, medium format camera uh it was fifty five thousand dollars um that's the phase one uh, xf uh xf one q4 camera system um and then as you go down the hasselblad it comes next just under fifty thousand dollars forty seven uh forty eight thousand dollars for the hasselblad h6d um, and then I think it just goes on from there. You've got cameras at 40,000, but it seems to be mainly Hasselblad that seems to be the most expensive. Um, but again, does that have a back or, or was that Hasselblad a film camera? No, that Hasselblad. No, they, back, yeah, yeah. These were, di- these are digital ones. Um, so they come with the digital back. But then recently it's yeah. got it here. Hasselblad did come up with their first mirrorless digital medium format mirrorless camera. And that sold at $8,000. I remember seeing that here in the UK at 6,000 pounds. And I was, oh, do you remember Robert? We were going to, we I were having a look that. at yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And, I do. Um, uh, and I quite like to have uh, thought quite like to get it you know where at the time i wasn't going to right (laughs) but uh but then the most expensive dslr now i don't think this is correct this is the most expensive camera professional high-end dslr is the olympus om now this must be fairly old which says it's three thousand that's gone now so canon i think is the most expensive dslr now um for about six thousand pounds i think 
would it be? Is it? I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure. Oh. But the most expensive uh, full frame mirrorless is just on, is is around four thousand pounds, and that's Sony. But again, I think Canon probably trumps that. So, but interesting stuff there. Just yeah, the price is, of, yeah. The price of cameras. So you know, when the most expensive camera of all time is three million dollars, um, you know, it's got to be. I wonder. Yeah, uh, yeah it's got to be. No, it wouldn't be. It's got a private collector. It's got to have that, haven't they? It's not in a museum anywhere. Yeah. So. Anyway, something interesting there. It's a yeah. sort uh, that uh, was on my yeah, mind. So. Yeah. Okay, so Alistair, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's been really uh, fantastic having you on and, and talking about um, your underwater photography as well as our other little bits in there that we always throw in uh, just to mix it up a little bit. Uh, really fascinating process and uh, really interesting to hear about uh, a niche style of, of photography where you don't. it's hard to come by niche styles now I think in photography and, and you've you've caught on to something really interesting there and, and as you said you, you don't see a lot of others out there doing that sort of thing and um, and for that reason it's really interesting to to see your work and to hear you talk about it and hopefully our listeners find it interesting as well and like I say we're going to put your work out there on online uh, for our listeners to see and um, so they get a sense of you know it's always hard on an audio podcast for people to hear what we're talking about and, and visualize it so we always try and put as much visuals out there online and uh, as we can but uh, but again massive thanks for coming on the show and um, and perhaps we can chat with you again at some point in the future yeah well thanks for having me uh, <laughs> it's good good Pretty stuff awesome stuff thanks Esther well thanks everyone for listening to that episode i hope you all enjoyed it as i say we're going to put um, some images up for you to have, have a look at alistair's work um if you haven't already please do subscribe to uh, to the photography bar podcast and give us that five star review um if this is your first time listening we are available on all the major platforms so spotify amazon music um apple whatever really um but yeah um thanks for listening and we'll see you again or speak to you again on the next one bye for now Last orders at the bar. You right there, fellas? What are we having then? Yeah, good. Thanks. Yeah, um, I'll have a single measure, please. And Rob, it's on me. What would you like? Oh, cheers, Cam. Uh, I think I'll get a double measure, please. Okay, I do apologise. I'm slightly new here. Um, what do you get in that single measure? Yeah, I've not seen you here before. Um, okay, so the single measure, uh, which I, this is why I'm going to have it because I love it. Okay, yeah. So you get access to the last orders after show. Ten percent off all merch in the store. And also access to exclusive patron feed posts. And what do you get in your double measure there, Rob? Well, actually, interesting. You get all of that, what Cam's having in his single measure, but you also get access to the extended guest interviews. So wow. for Ooh. £5, that's that's a real steal, yeah, actually. Because I know the cost is, is £2.50 uh, for the single measure there, Cam, and it's £5 for the double measure there, Rob. Yeah, I think the double measure is really good value, that, doesn't I think, it? Do you know what? I think I might treat myself. I think I might go for the double measure as well. Look. You know what, Barman? We'll have two double measures, please. Two double measures coming up. That's right, guys. We're taking the photography bar to the next level. And starting in May, we're going to have exclusive content arriving on Patreon. So make sure you sign up at the start of May, uh, ready for this exclusive content that's coming your way.